You're listening to the McKinsey Podcast, featuring wide-ranging conversations on the issues that matter in business and management. Hello, and welcome to the McKinsey Podcast. I'm Bar Seitz, Global Publishing Lead for McKinsey's Marketing and Sales and Digital Practices. And I'm very happy to introduce our two guests today, Jennifer Killian, a digital VP at McKinsey Digital Labs in our New York office. Hi, Bar. Thanks. It's great to be here. And also we have Hugo Sarazin, a director in our Silicon Valley office and global leader of McKinsey Digital Labs. Hey, Hugo. Hey, Bart. Nice to be here. Great. So you two were the authors of Building a Design-Driven Culture, which was one of the top articles published in 2015 on McKinsey.com. So that's what we're talking about today. Uh, We're going to be addressing how to get beyond the hype around design, what design means to an organization trying to become more digital, and where design is going. So let's kick off the conversation. Jennifer, the first question is for you. When I was preparing for this podcast, I was struck by how broad the definition of design can be. You have product design, industrial design, design systems, graphic design. So when you talk to a CEO, how do you explain what design is and what its value is in a business context? Well, Bar, design thinking is a methodology that we use to solve complex problems, and it's a way of using systemic reasoning and intuition to explore ideal future states. And we do this uh, with the end user or the customer in mind first and foremost. And the reason that it matters for business is because it's really the single biggest competitive advantage that you can have. If your customers are loyal to you because you solve for their needs first, you'll always win. And really, as the former CEO of IBM stated very insightfully, good design is good business. Yeah, I think uh, Jennifer described it uh, nicely. Uh, It is a broad term. It does mean a lot of things for uh, different uh, disciplines, from industrial design to experience service design to digital design. Um, The reason why I think it's becoming so uh, important today is, is we're seeing the limitation of traditional uh, ways of approaching problems, where we've historically, uh, you know, were um, maybe not fully thinking about the, the customer experience and, and thinking through uh, the level of interactions. Um, I'm generalizing a bit. I mean, there's there's been some fantastic products uh, and, and services that have been built and designed over, uh, you know, the many, many years, uh, but I think right now it's coming of age. We have a new generation of designers that were trained uh, to understand uh, how to blend technology and business, and, and they're, they're a lot more uh, agile in, in moving from these different spheres. So instead of having siloed uh, conversation, now we can have an integrated conversation, and that's why uh, you know, design thinking and, and everything associated with that is now more central to even business strategy, uh, marketing strategy, marketing execution, uh, operations, and and product design. So as you say, Hugo, design really has kind of made it to the big leagues now. As with any topic that comes into the the, uh, media glare, hype can quickly take over, um, and you can certainly see that with a tendency when it comes to design these days. So can you help to explain where the hype stops and the reality kicks in when it comes to the design? Yeah, we're, we're certainly at a point um, where, where, where probably the hype is exceeding um, uh, the capability. And, and, and in no ways do I want to suggest that um, uh, there's not more to be done uh, around uh, design and uh, bringing that to the forefront of a lot of 
business activities. And, and for design, uh, I think uh, where the boundary um, can be set is not you know, very clear. It will vary by industry, will vary by uh, function. But, but I can uh, you know, make a few uh, suggestions. Uh, the first one is historically, strategy was all about where to compete and how to compete. And there were very traditional ways of defining the where to compete. Uh, and you could define the customer segments, you could define the geography, you could define the channel, you could define the products. And, and all of it was trying to make uh, some you know, sustainable competitive advantage. I think with uh, the advent of some really uh, different technology, uh, technologies with an S, um, we are now able to engage the customer in a very, very, very different way. Uh, on an ongoing basis, uh, with really relevant information in real time. And design and experience design is now a source of competitive advantage. If you think about some of the, the, the very iconic product, and not to, to be too cliche with Apple or Uber uh, or even Airbnb, some of the really different ways of um, bringing uh, the user experience into uh, the forefront, uh, it is a way to fundamentally uh, compete. And I think that that's a reality today. And if you're uh, a strategist, if you're a CEO, and you're thinking about how do you differentiate your company, your services, and you're not thinking about uh, that experience, you're probably missing out on at least a very, very important lever. That's one. Uh, I think the second piece is, as I hinted at uh, earlier, is we have a new generation of um, uh, business uh, schools who are training uh, all the students on design thinking. That brings in a lot of new uh, capabilities into the market. We're seeing a lot more technologists who have a greater appreciation of design and using design uh, earlier in the process in an integrated way. Uh, and then we're seeing also uh, designers who go to design school uh, being trained uh, to be both technologists and, and, and business leader. So uh, I think we are at a point where the, the, the talent uh, model has changed, and you have a lot more uh, uh, talented uh, individuals who can work across all three uh, places which were uh, historically siloed. Great. So let's get to the holy grail question, Jennifer. What is design really worth? You know, we've all had that experience where we first saw an iPod or had a great experience on an airline and thought, wow. So it's important, but how much is design actually worth? I think there are several layers to peel back with that question. <laughs> the first one um, we react to as consumers ourselves, right? We fall in love with objects or service experiences because of the care that designers took to bring us the best possible design that met our needs, right, or delighted us. And that's a really, it's a very visceral attachment to good design um, individually. And likewise, we notice when things are poorly crafted or disappointing experiences that could have been made better, a real missed design opportunity. So I think in this first layer, design is really about adding value to our lives as people, as individuals. And at a second layer, we can look to design as a much more strategic business lever. So we see, like in the Design Management uh, Index, that design-oriented companies have outperformed others for the past 10 years. But how do you achieve that? Um, you know, we've been working in a new area that we're calling quantified experience design to do just that. And now what we do is we try to understand what's the end-to-end -end, uh, customer journey we want to design for, 
and what would be signature moments of delight that we could present to the user at any given point in time as they interact with us. And thinking about those moments and sketching them out as concepts and bringing them back to users to really understand and validate them before we bring them to market allows us to figure out what the impact will be. So we can measure impact based on revenue increase or measure impact based on customer satisfaction measures like uh, net promoter score lift, but things that really allow us to smartly prioritize which concepts we're going to put our most design attention and effort into before we bring things to market. And I think that's um, it's, it's a much more mature way of experiencing design in the market today and thinking about the value of design in terms of you know its worthiness to a company's bottom line as well. I think we're at a very, very exciting time. Historically, and if you go back to uh, you know the roots of industrial design, um, you build a product, um, you try to make uh, it you know the best you can, um, and then you release it in the market and kind of you wait and you wait for those experiences that the consumer has, these interaction, and then you hope that you get market share and then the product is a booming success. With technology the way it is today, you can instrument your design like you've never been able to do in the past. And that's a really exciting way to measure, you know, the impact of good design. You can do experiments. You can get uh, a lot of information and, and all the, 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 the capabilities associated with A-B testing help you uh, refine uh, a lot of what you're, you're creating in terms of an experience uh, with uh, technology. I think it's an interesting uh, time. I'm not suggesting that everything is going to become A-B testing uh, but I think you can now instrument your design in a way that you could not, and good design will be very smart about putting in place those those measurement tools to provide the feedback to the designers. Right, and I think it's, it's moving even beyond A-B testing in the sense that we have uh, multi-channels to collect data from about our users and be really smart about sort of one-to-one experiences and even thinking about measuring those experiences and those design moments before we put them out, right, before they even become sort of in that A-B model. So it's a really nice sort of predictive way of attaching value to design. And then, as you say, Hugo, to sort of measure and iterate that impact um, in an ongoing manner. So it's a, it becomes this continuous conversation about design with our customers. It's interesting. You're talking about design almost uh, technically speaking in terms of measurement, but there's also a really interesting element of empathy in this. And in your article, Hugo, you mentioned empathy as the core element of good design and clearly understanding what motivates your customer is important for the business. And when you get it right, the experience builds value for the customer and the business. But where's the trade-off between empathy and business? I don't think there's a trade-off. I think, um, you know, when you get uh, really to the core of the customer need and you really strike a chord and you're really delighting them at these moments of truth, as uh, Jennifer mentioned, you're going you're gonna to create a delightful, engaging experience or you're going to create very uh, very successful products, and that's good business. At the end of the day, it's at the heart of um, you know, designing terrific experiences or, or terrific products. I think what's interesting is, and the word empathy is overused, um, but I still think it's you know, one of the better ones we have at this point to describe just this, this, this quest 
which is very central to what designers love to do, is to understand the why. Why, why. why are people doing this? What's the problem they have? What are their expectations? And if you really dig deep and try to understand that, there are really insightful things that you can discover about the product you're trying to design or the service you're trying to create. So fundamentally, uh, as we move uh, forward, I think we're going to see more and more of that empathy thinking being uh, embedded in uh, the design process of products, of service, of employee onboarding, just to make sure that we really truly understand what makes a difference, and then we double down on those things that make a difference, and we skip the things that make less experience. So it's just common good business sense, and it's, it's, it's exciting that we're bringing, you know, an extra layer of thinking around uh, what the customer is experiencing or what the, uh, the customer is expecting. But is it possible to go too far? I mean, is it possible to overinvest in design so that it doesn't make business sense? Well, it is possible. I think I think there there there's plenty of ways to design, uh, you know, <coughs> uh, goofy experiments that can last for for years on end. Um, and so, by no means are we suggesting that uh, we we, sh- we should set uh, these things up. Uh, but I do think uh, it's often really good a uh, good investment of time and resources when you are trying to build a new business model, where you are trying to build a new product or a new service to really go down to to the root cause. I think where it becomes really, really uh, dangerous is when you, you're not really sure what you're hunting for at all. And, you know, you, you go uh, and explore in a too open-ended um, way um, problems, uh, statements that are poorly defined. And as you talk about it, it becomes clear that what you're really talking about is this idea of a culture around design. And Jennifer, you talk about this in your article when you know, discussing digital transformations in general. The conversation quickly focuses on culture because that's such a core element of the organization. So what does a design-driven culture look like, and how can a company get there? Yeah, the culture is extremely important to the success of um, a design-thinking-led organization, for sure. I think there's four elements there. Um, The first one is to really understand the customer and to make that everyone's job in the organization, not just the design team or the user experience or research team's job. Some examples of that are organizations like Amazon, where the executive team is required to call in and visit the call centers and really listen to uh, customer needs firsthand. I think that's a great example where everybody is in charge of understanding what the customer's needs, motivations, pain points, and behaviors are, and for making them paramount in solving uh, business problems with business decisions. So that's really, really important. Understanding the customer is not just the job of the designer. The second is thinking about how we bring that empathy that Hugo was speaking to into the organization. Um, So really making sure that people are thinking about things from the lens of the people that they're designing for, and that could be creating personas that people rally around or archetypes or ways of communicating the target audience that speaks beyond the demographics and more to what's in the heart and the mind of the people that we're designing for. And then thinking about that empathy 
in a way that becomes uh, endemic as a part of the culture. So teaching not only sort of the new new hires and new talent uh, that we bring in, this way of design thinking and empathizing, but also the incumbents and making sure that everybody feels um, sort of that empathetic drive and ability to sort of refer first person to who they're designing for and not just think about it from um, a technology stack lens or a business process lens, but to really sort of keep that human hat on all the time as well. The third is to design in real time. Again, Hugo alluded to some of this, but thinking about designing um, and technology and business all coming together and iterating together. So um, we talk about this in our article as the braided approach, but really I think we've moved from an era of the culture of using sort of agile in a development environment to thinking about being agile or nimble across our business design thinking and technology planning altogether and having those teams work as hybrid um, hybrid teams sitting together, working together, sort of checking in and, and keeping each other abreast of any issues that come up is a really great way to um, embody design in becoming a design-driven culture and becoming a team that really is high-performing and works together in a very um, agile way, which leads to the fourth point, which is to act quickly. You know, we have all the means now to be able to um, hypothesize and design and test quickly, both at a broad scale and at a very focused one-on-one scale, whether that's digitally or bringing things to market in prototype fashion. And I think that's something that um, is another way to sort of shape the culture because the culture that makes things together can experiment and succeed and fail quickly and learn and becomes a much more um, learning-driven culture, sort of that like learn, test, learn thinking and I think brings things to market that are more successful and refines faster over time. So I think it's really that understanding the customer being everyone's job, keeping empathy as central to the organization, designing in real time and being able to act quickly as the main pieces of the design-driven culture. And then, of course, there's sort of the trappings that make those things easier to embody. So thinking about things like flexible workspaces that have really great areas for collaboration. Um, It's easy to sort of come together quickly. Uh, Rooms that can be set up so that there are hybrid teams sitting together that are cross-functional. Really thinking about breaking down any traditional barriers and walls, whether they're, you know, physical or literal, in the sense that it just makes it easier to collaborate, easier to keep humans first, and easier to think about how we um, learn and test and fail and get things to market quickly, because that's really how I think design thinking and design-driven cultures allow businesses to be more successful and have greater impact. Design is about learning. And what a greater gift than to have an organization that's constantly learning, that every interaction is an opportunity to learn something um, that you withhold judging and that you really try to find ways to uh, take an incremental uh, opportunity to learn something new about yourself, about the customer, about another person on the team. Um, so I think it, it, it raises the game for everybody uh, inside a company. If everybody's equipped with a minimum language of design thinking, they approach the problem differently, they reframe the problem differently, and you, know, you can create uh, more win-wins rather than being constantly in negotiation where there's obviously somebody that's going to lose. And your point, Hugo, about um, you know, design being about learning, um, it, it emphasizes this point around design as a very active uh, thing that companies do and the bias for action, which I think is one of its clear attractions. Um, And then certainly the conversations then about design 
are about execution, creating a great experience or creating a great product, testing, learning. But what about design's role in business strategy? How should companies and executives think about design informing strategy? I think I think it's a really big opportunity, uh, and and you know somebody should go back to uh, business school and rewrite all the business uh, school books. Um, you know traditional views of strategy, of where and how to compete, um, need to be updated to include that there's a new dimension. You can compete on customer experience, and that is a fundamental uh, dimension of, of of competition and a source of uh, sustainable competitive advantage. And if you're able to really understand the needs of the customer and then you have an organization that's really good at doing this on an ongoing basis, you can create engagement and loyalty and, and something you know, truly special that uh, is this bond between uh, a company and its customers. It's a bond between a company and its employees. By the way, you can apply a lot of the same uh, tools and methodology in, in just making sure that the internal processes are are properly designed. Uh, so it is a, a strategic weapon that um, you know some of these disruptors who are attacking established companies are finding ways to um, uh, to exploit. And 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 therefore, as a strategist, I think you need to include that in your arsenal. Be open-minded to. Uh, the discovery process that's embedded in design thinking, be open to creating learning environment and, and, and be clear that no matter how uh, clever one is, uh, we don't always know the future. And therefore, it would be much better to create a, a strategy that is adaptable and flexible that can take uh, input and insight from customer and, and applying design thinking to help you refine your strategy as, uh, as you execute your strategy. This has been a great conversation. Thank you, Jennifer and Hugo, for joining me. If you want to read Jennifer and Hugo's article, Building a Design-Driven Culture, you can find it on McKinsey.com. You can also follow them on Twitter. Jennifer is at PicassoJK2, and Hugo is at Hugo Sarazin. And you can keep up with the latest from McKinsey on digital topics by following us at McKinsey Digital. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the McKinsey Podcast. To learn more about McKinsey, our people, and our latest thinking, visit us at mckinsey.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook.